If you have your Bible with you today, I would like you to turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 8 in just a moment. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And as you turn there, I would like you to think back over your years of Christmases. As you think back over your years of Christmases, I want you to consider what is the best gift you have ever gotten. What's the best gift you've ever gotten? Maybe it's something that your significant other has gotten you. Maybe it's, maybe it's, just, it's not anything huge or, or what you might call special. It's just something really handy. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a life-altering gift, like a, a, a new vehicle or, or maybe an engagement ring. Maybe it's something you had your heart set on. And finally you got it. Now for many of us, honestly, if, if we're being real, just real frank about things, when we think about our Christmas gifts, we can't remember what we got last year. Maybe we had our heart set on something that seemed like if we didn't get it, we were not going to make it. And then we got it, and less than a year later, we don't even recall what it was that we couldn't live without. I think for me personally, of course, my birthday is, is close to Christmas. And so I get a lot of, understand this is for Christmas and birthdays. I get a lot of those presents, and, uh, and so I can't recall always if something is for Christmas or birthday. I think probably one of the best gifts that I've gotten, at least the last few years, I think maybe may have been for my birthday, but I'll, for the purposes I'll say it's Christmas, it was a potato peeler. And that is, it is so incredibly helpful. I mean, you stick it on there, we eat a lot of potatoes. I mean, we're a meat and taters kind of uh, family, and uh, we grill out a lot. When we do, we usually cook potatoes. And, and it's just a lot of peeling. And I'm not a fast peeler. And I stick that on there, turned on, a few seconds it's peeled. I mean, it's just, it's just really handy. Um, uh, another one, one that's been more, I guess, maybe impactful long term, was probably when I was 12, 13, 14, something about like that, years old. Um, I got my first computer. Now, back in that day, that was back when the earth was still cooling, and computers back then are not the same as they are today, and the computer that I got was a Packard Bell, and this is not going to mean anything to most of you probably, but it was was replaced by the Pentium, the first generation Pentiums, and so it had a 486 processor, 4 megs of RAM, I mean, it was a beast, and our, our cell phones, even the, the flip phones that we have that are not a smartphone would be a supercomputer compared to this thing, uh, but, but I got that, and to this day, I work in the IT department and in the IT field, and, and I enjoy it immensely, and so stuff like that, we get those gifts, and we don't realize the implications it may have later on, and, and I, 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 I say all this because no matter what gift you have, no matter what gift you've received, no matter how impactful it is, it pales in comparison to the gifts that God gave that first Christmas morning. And that's what we're going to look at uh, today. Where we pick up in our text, Joseph and Mary made it to Bethlehem. She's given birth to uh, baby Jesus. They've laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And, and where we pick up, the angels are going to announce the Messiah's birth. So if you found Luke chapter 2 and are able to, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's word. We'll pick up in verse 8 and read down to verse 14. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Thank you. You may be seated. Now there are three gifts I want to highlight for you that God gave at Christmas. And the greatest, uh, the, 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 the greatest event in history happened in Bethlehem. And it, it, it happened kind of under the radar. The shepherds were nearby. They didn't have any idea of the ramifications of what happened that, that, that night. They were out there doing their, doing their thing. They were minding their own business, doing what they had been employed to do, and that was keep watch over their flocks. They didn't, they didn't know about the enormity of Jesus being born. And yet just a short distance away, the Messiah had come into the world. Now, we don't know who these men were. Uh, we don't know. I'm sure that they were keeping some of their own sheep. They were probably hired to, to, to keep some other people's sheeps, sheeps, sheep. Uh, they were out there uh, keeping watch over the flocks. And, and we don't know this for certain, but it's, it is suggestive. It, Jerusalem was not too far away. And they had, that's where the temple was. That's where the sacrifices that God had prescribed in the Old Testament that ultimately pointed ahead to Christ's uh, work on the cross. All that happened in Jerusalem, and the sheep that were used in temple sacrifice were kept out in the fields around Bethlehem. And they had been for centuries, so it's possible that these shepherds were keeping watch over the very sheep that, whose death would point ahead, it, it, it would prefigure the death of Christ on the cross. Now again, we can't say that for certain, but it is a distinct possibility. But anyway, as they're out there, they're keeping watch over their flocks by night, so they would do it in shifts. Every three hours, somebody else would come on. Just like in the military, you'd have a, a shift to, to, to keep watch over the flock, make sure that nobody stole them, make sure that the wolves and, and things like that didn't come and attack the sheep to keep them safe. And so some of them would be sleeping, some of them would be keeping watch over the flocks. And suddenly, they're sitting there under the, the, the dark vault of heaven. And suddenly, out of nowhere, there, there was no drum roll, there was no announcement, nobody came over to loudspeaker and said, Hey, y'all get ready for this. Something big's getting ready to happen. Pay attention. It didn't happen. Out of the, just out of the blue, suddenly, without warning, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, uh, spoke to them, and, and, and they were terribly frightened. They, 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 were, they, the, they and the, the hills and the valleys around them were bathed in the, so, the, 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 the Shekinah glory of God. This, this, this blinding light bathed that whole area, and they were terribly frightened. Now the word translated as, as afraid or, or frightened is the root word that we get our word phobia from. It means they were scared. And, and the Greek word, it, it, it's, it's rendered in my translation very, the Greek word is megas. They were mega frightened. They were really scared. They were, in the King James, they were sore afraid. They were petrified. They were dumbstruck. They shrank back in timidity. They were scared. And not only because of the suddenness of his appearance, but because here is an angel come from the presence of Almighty God. And it would take a fool to, to think that when you come into the presence of God or any of his messengers, everything's going to be okay. Because we recognize our own sinfulness. We recognize how, how, fall, how far short we fall. And in that moment, they no doubt recognize their sin. They, they knew that they had rebelled against God's commands, that they had disobeyed what he had said to do. And they no doubt feared that this angel was there to deal out righteous retribution for their sin. But, look at verse 10. But the angel was not on a mission of justice. 
He was on a mission of mercy. They were terribly frightened, but the angel said to them, despite their understandable fear, he said, hold up, I have good news. I have glad tidings. I I have some good news for you. And it's here that we see the first gift that God gave at Christmas. He gave us fearless joy. Fearless joy. Now this angel brought good news of great joy. Their mega fear was to be replaced with, same, same wording, mega joy. It, it, was to be, it, it was to rid out all the fear that they had about being in God's presence. Be, and, and ultimately that's because they could be clothed in the righteousness and, and covered by the blood of Christ. Now often in Luke, joy is associated with salvation as it is here. But this angel brought about good news of great joy. Now what is joy? Well, joy is gladness. It's gladness of heart. It's not, it's, it's, it comes from a, a consideration of, a, it comes from a consideration of, of, of a present or a future good that we are sure is going to happen. It's when our souls and our minds are delighted. And when it's raised to its highest point, that, that joy is exaltation. And no doubt, that is what these, these shepherds felt in their hearts. And notice, notice what I said. It, it is, joy is not the same thing as happiness, because happiness is based on what happens. It's based on our outward circumstances. We get a good job, we get a raise, you know, we, we get a good uh, test result back from the doctor, uh, you know, we, we pass our class, whatever it is. That's a happening. It happens to us, and we can be happy but that's not the same thing as joy because joy can be, can, can be present in our hearts even when bad stuff happens. We can have joy even in bad times in life. One reason is because our joy is not based on what happens, but it's based on the changeless character and nature of God. And that way we can have the joy regardless of what happens. And the angel came to announce and proclaim to the shepherds and, and to us today that on the first Christmas God gave us the gift of joy. He gave us a supernatural gladness that's like a a buoy in the ocean of life that keeps us afloat. It's that state of heart and mind that causes us not to be overwhelmed when the storms of life hit. And storms will hit us in life. It's a joy that is antithetical to fear. Because what did he say? He says, fear not. Why? For. Because. Here's the reason you don't fear. Because I bring you good news of great joy. The fearful heart is not and cannot be a joyful heart. Let me say that again. The fearful heart cannot be a joyful heart. It, it, they're like oil and water. Joy and fear do not mix. Think about your own life. When you have had fear in your life, how joyful were you? Zero. Because you're worried, oh, what's going to happen? You wring your hands. You sweat. You lose sleep. Why? Because a joyful heart is not a fearful heart. They, they don't mix. So who's this joy for? Look again at the text. He says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for whom? For all the people. For the shepherds, yes, but not just the shepherds. For the Israelites, yes, but not just the Israelites. For all people. People from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. People from every continent, every skin color, every language group, all people, everywhere. This is good news for them that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Why? Verse 11, look at what it is. Look, look, at, look at the basis for this joy. For today, in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And here we see the second gift that God gave. He gave the gift of a Savior. Jesus Christ Himself is the greatest gift of all. Look in at verse 11 what He says. He says, For, again, because, here's the reason for joy, Today, this isn't a far-off promise for these shepherds. This isn't a far-off promise for us today. Because we can look back and see, on, on a specific moment, a specific time in history, that this isn't some pie-in-the-sky dream. This isn't, He doesn't say, um, once upon a time, this isn't a fairy tale. This is an historical event. On a certain day, in this context, he said, today, at this point in history, a Savior has been born. Now, Paul talked about it in Galatians 4. We looked at it last week. And what did Paul say? He said, at just the right time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, Jesus didn't stay a baby, of course. He's, he's, he's not... Uh, Reborn in, in Bethlehem every year. He, he didn't stay little baby Jesus, then ascend up into heaven. He grew up and, and he, was, he, he grew into a full grown man. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He died on the cross for, for, for the sins of those who had trusted in him. And, and whoever would put their faith in him, they can, be, they, they can be made right with God. They can have their sins forgiven. They can be given the free gift of eternal life. And the angel says, today, in the city of David, Bethlehem, there's been born for you a Savior. And the reason a Savior had to be born is because we can't save ourselves. We can't do it on our own. It's not that God does 99% of it and, 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 and we'll get the rest of it. It's not that, that we can meet Him halfway. He had to do it all. He had to come all the way to the earth. Jesus came to save sinners. He didn't come to make bad people good he came to make spiritually dead people alive he didn't come just to give good teaching are his teachings good yes but he didn't come to be a good moral teacher he came to seek and to save that which was lost and friend apart from christ that's you today you are without hope in the world apart from jesus jesus didn't come to to be a way to the father he didn't come to be a way you know they they say all roads lead to rome and some people say all roads lead to heaven. No. All but one road leads to hell. There's one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. He is not a Savior of the world. He is the Savior. He has been born Savior of mankind. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And friend, you may be, it may be that you came to this church this morning, or maybe somebody is, is watching online or, or listening at a later date even. And it could be that, that you've never come to the Father through Christ. Maybe you've tried to come through your own self-effort. You've tried to come through good works. You've tried to come through your morality. You've tried to come through giving generous offerings. You've tried to come through church membership. You've tried to come through taking communion. You've tried to come through any, anything apart from Christ. If you have done any of that, and you're trusting that for salvation, you are fooling yourself. You can be self-assured today, but listen, if you don't come to the Father through Jesus, you're not coming to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way. That is exclusive. There is no, I am a way, I'm the best way, I'm pretty good way. I am the way, he said. You say, well, that's not fair. It's not fair that God made any way. It's an act of grace. 
is an act of mercy. He didn't have to do it. He didn't need to do it. We certainly don't deserve for him to do it. The gift of salvation is gracious. The fact that he provided anyway is the thing that we should be thankful for. We need salvation from the, the penalty and the power of sin because the Bible says all have sinned. It's not all have sinned except for you. It's not all have sinned except for the preacher. It says all of us have sinned. All of us like sheep have gone astray. All Each has turned to his own way. But the Bible says the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. We've all broken God's law. We've all fallen short. We've all gone astray. Every one of us. If you are taking a breath, you are a sinner. We've all missed the mark. The Bible says the wages of that sin is death. And it's talking primarily about spiritual death. Now those of us who are in the... Uh, job market, those of us who have been, you understand what a wage is. You do X, you get Y. I trade my time and my effort, they, they give me money in exchange for that. That's a wage. And the Bible says that the, 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 the wages, what we justly earn and deserve with our sin is death. We have earned it. We deserve it. We deserve our condemnation. And our sin separates us from God. And the Bible says if we die in that state, separate from God, there's no second chance. There's no stand before God and, and playing let's make a deal. God will take behind, watch door, behind door number two. No. At the point of death, that's it. You are locked in that state. And if you die in that state, you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. And there God will pour out His unmitigated full fury towards sin on the unrepentant sinner. And that is why God sent a Savior. Because we can't save ourselves from that. What can a dead man do to change his condition? Nothing. That's why we need a Savior. Jesus Christ, the Lord. That's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It wasn't so we could have a long weekend from work and school. He came, he came to provide a way for rebels against the throne of heaven to, to be made right with God, to be reconciled to Him. And, and what uh, that happens when we put our faith in Jesus and His finished work on the cross. Nothing added to it, nothing taken away from it. His death is sufficient. And if you today would trust Christ, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. That is what Jesus Himself said. Scripture says, today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. And right now where you are, if you will trust Christ for salvation, you will be saved. You'll receive eternal life. You'll receive the best and most precious gifts that could ever be given, and that's Jesus Christ the Lord. So God gave the gift of joy. He gave the gift of the Savior. And finally, He gave us the last gift, and that's the gift of peace. The gift of peace. Look again at, at our text. They've given the shepherds a sign to, to look for, to find and identify Jesus. He was not, uh, you know, despite all the pictures we see, he was not glowing in the dark. He didn't have a halo. He, he, was, he looked just like a, a normal baby. And so God gave them a sign and said, You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, but his birth is too incredible for just one angel to deliver. Look at verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. We don't know how many that is. Multitude's a bunch. 
In the book of Revelation, it talks about the, the angelic hosts, the, the heavenly hosts, as myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. So you just think about that. Thousands of groups of thousands of angels. A number too big to count. Innumerable. There are thousands and thousands, potentially millions of angels that show up, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, the armies of heaven, that show up to sing the song that we sang just a little bit ago. Glory to God in the highest. This gift that He has given of the Savior brings Him and glory. It, it, it honors Him. It shows his, his goodness, His benevolence, His kindness towards sinful human beings. Because we don't deserve it. There's nothing good within us that would earn this salvation. And, and in that song, we see the last thing that He gave. Look at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. Now we no doubt look around this world and it looks like there is no peace. It wasn't too long ago that we, we, we saw cities, neighborhoods being destroyed by rioting, by violence. Closer to home, just a couple days ago, there's a highway patrolman shot in Springfield. That's not very far away. We look at this and we see violence. We, we, uh, many of us have friends, family members, loved ones who are in, in the armed forces, active duty, and many of them are in harm's way. They're not going to be home for Christmas because they are, they are keeping people safe. They are battling for, for, well, hopefully for righteousness. But listen, we look all around, we watch the news, we read the, the, the articles online. And we say, where's the peace? The Bible talks about peace among men. We say, where's the peace? The peace that he brings is first and foremost peace with God. Because the, the, the rebel sinner is, 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 not, he is not in good with God. The Bible says that God is angry every day. He is enraged at the sin of sinners. The Bible says there's enmity between us and God. We are His enemies. We thumb our nose at God. We rebel against Him. We shake our fists in the face of the Almighty. We are not God's friends. And I just want to ask you, do you have peace in your own heart? The Bible says there's no peace for the wicked. Apart from Christ, you don't have peace. You won't know peace until you know the Prince of Peace. But the Bible says when we put our faith in Him, the Bible says He has reconciled us to God. He doesn't reconcile God to us. He's not the one that's in the wrong. We're in the wrong. He reconciles us to God. He makes us right with God. He's a mediator. He's, he, he can fully identify with God because He's God in the flesh. He can fully identify with man because He's he truly human. And as a mediator, He can reach out to both parties and bring them together and reconcile us to God in the, in the blood of His cross. And the Bible says that if we will put our faith in Him, we will be reconciled to God, we'll be made right with Him, our sins will be forgiven, and we will be at peace with the Lord. That is first and foremost where this peace comes from. And then as hearts are changed, we can live at peace with one another, and we can have peace with our fellow man. 
You say, where's, where's the peace among men? Where the gospel has been spread and believed. That's where the peace is. Now again, I want to... I feel almost... I don't want this to seem like an angry sermon. Because it is, it's the best news ever. But at the same time, I want you to understand the gravity of the situation. God didn't send Jesus so you could feel good about a little drummer boy. He didn't send Jesus so you could sing about Frosty the Snowman. He didn't, he didn't send Jesus so you could say Santa Claus, what everything's about. No. Jesus came to redeem sinners like me and like you. And apart from Jesus, there is no hope. And that's why I plead with you today to put your faith in Christ if you've never done it. For those of us who have done it, I hope that we, I hope we reflect on the fact that, you know, sometimes we get to thinking, well, you know, I've been a Christian a long time. God's pretty lucky to have me on his team. Because I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm not perfect, but hey, I'm doing better than Joe Blow down the street. In one of his letters, Paul said, Jesus came to save sinners, among whom I am chief, or I am foremost. That's the Apostle Paul. Why not? Because he looked around and found somebody that he was doing better than. Because he looked at the holiness of God and said, Man, I'm falling short. I am not a sinner, I'm the sinner. Would that we would recognize that about ourselves. We're not just a sinner. When we, when we compare ourselves to the holiness of God, we are the sinner. And I hope that you as a Christian, as you consider this, understand, remember, realize the graciousness of the gift of God in sending Christ. Of sending peace, that you can have peace in your heart. Of, of giving you joy, unspeakable and full of glory. That no matter what it is you're going through, you can, have, you can have a gladness of heart, not based on your circumstances, but based on your Savior. Once stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And in the quietness of this time, I invite you, encourage you to consider about consider the the gifts that God gave at Christmas. Jesus is the best gift. We give gifts to one another because God gave gifts to us. And just like at Christmas time, that gift can be offered to you, but it's going to do you no good until you take advantage of it, until you reach out your hand and take hold. And so it is with the gift of salvation. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And the offer is made that all who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you will put your faith in him, if you will reach out your hand with the hand of faith and grab hold of the salvation that he offers, if you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll confess Jesus with Lord, as Lord with your mouth, the Bible says you'll be saved. Do you need to do that today? What's the verdict going to be? Are you for him or against him? Do you believe in Christ? Trust him for salvation or not? Our Heavenly Father... We are uh, grateful for the gift that you've given us. As we consider the magnitude of the gift, not only of the joy and the peace, but especially of Christ, that is the source of that joy and peace. It's, It's amazing, the grace that you've shown us. God, I pray that if there's somebody here who's never accepted Christ, if there's somebody who's hearing this at a later time, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that today would be the day of their salvation. God, help us to never lose sight of the, uh, the gift that you gave in sending Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.